Hello and welcome to the Velodrome Podcast. I'm Steve, the Velo21 guy, but today I'm your host on this Velodrome Podcast. Once again, I thank you for listening. I don't take your download for granted. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to me drone on about cycling once again. Thank you very much. If you're listening to this and you think I'd love to come on and have a little chat with Steve about my cycling journey, we want to talk to recreational cyclists, so send us a message. Best way to get in contact with us is to DM us on Instagram at velo double underscore 21. That's velo double underscore 21, the account with the blue tick. Send me a message and we'll get you on. We'd love to hear everybody's journey. It doesn't matter whether you've cycled for six months, 10 years, whatever. If you're a cyclist, you're into your cycling, you love your cycling, we want to speak to you. So once again, we've got another great guest lined up for you today. Today, we are speaking to... It's Loz Staples. Hello and welcome to the Velodrome podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problems. I really appreciate your time coming on. Um, I always like to talk about the way that we know each other. I've never met you personally, unfortunately. We do have a, a link through a, a fantastic young man we called do. Uh, Mason Bradley. So obviously this is your podcast, but we will obviously talk quite heavily about Mason within this, won't we? Obviously. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> but uh, first of all, where I want to start, I want to start off with how did you get into cycling so what's your cycling and fitness journey right okay so i was a motocross rider for 26 years um then through injury decided obviously it was time to hang up my boots and as a kid you've always had a push bike and it was like right i finished motocross what do i do and i thought right i'll go mountain bike racing so I did a couple of rounds of, well, I did a couple of seasons of the FNSS, the Friday night summer series mountain bike races, mm. um, and really enjoyed it. And I thought, I thought it was great. And one of the guys at work one day said, you should, uh, you should have a go on a road bike. And I was like, I'm not built for Lycra. Uh, cause obviously if you have a look at my social media, which I know you have, I'm not a conventional cyclist. I'm not a conventionally built cyclist. So the idea of a mammal, if you want to call me a mammal or whatever. Um, obviously, a big lad in Lycra. He's always a bit of a, a bit of a thing. And I said, nah, not buying a road bike. Anyway, one came up on Facebook Marketplace, so I bought it. And uh, yeah, it was it was a revelation. I didn't realise you could go so quick on two wheels by using your legs. So uh, <laughs> did that. And then the same lad went, you ought to come and have a go at a time trial. So uh, I was like, nah, silly L mix and come on no lycra is bad enough a skin suit no um, you know i bought a specialized alley and was like right go and do a time trial so my first time trial was a 25 tt and i didn't come last um and they all kind of raised their eyebrows and went how does a big lad do that and that's kind of where it started it went from a joke at work going, oh, you ought to buy a road bike, into doing my first TT and then obviously going on from there. That's kind of how it started, really. Lovely, perfect. Because as, as you touched on yourself, like you're not the conventional frame for, that, for the road cycling side of things, you know. <laughs> what keeps you motivated to go keep going now? Uh, yeah, Mason, obviously for one, which we'll talk about. Uh, I can't let yeah. him down. But two, I love turning up at TTs and smashing people that look like I'm going to be the fat lad at the back and, anni- and annihilating them. 
to the point that you yeah. know people have questioned you know do i take supplements and things like that because of what i do and i'm like no i'm just bloody minded determined and the outsides are battered skoda but the insides are ferrari <laughs> <laughs> that's a good good way of describing yourself <laughs> like you say you're not that conventional type of cyclist but then you've got that raw power haven't you which obviously like in tts and things like that that really is where it's needed mm. yeah it's 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 it became apparent i had a, a my first cycling coach um used to be built exactly the same as me and he then dropped a, a load of weight obviously became quite successful at TTs and track stuff. And he was like, you need, you know, stick at this, do this. And it's all about, it goes, you don't have to be, a, you know, a steam train, you can be a diesel. And I was like, mm -hmm. right, okay. And he goes, that's what you are. He goes, you're just a diesel engine. You'll just push and push and push. And you don't know when to stop. And that yeah. that is kind of it, you know, that kind of transfers onto the track stuff as well, which is obviously the link between me and Mason. Yeah, so while we're talking about that move to track, um, tell me about Mason Bradley. Right. <laughs> Where do you start with Mason? Uh, what a, first off, what a great kid. What an absolutely great kid. Yeah. And I use the term kid not in a derogatory sense because obviously he's 15 and he'll probably go, Duh, I'm not a kid. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no. So I'm, I first met Mason when he was like uh, really young with Mark and they used to come and do uh, velodrome sessions with Born Wheelers, who I was a member of. And we'd done some riding and Mason had crashed one day and we ended up talking. I would go riding around with him because his dad was studying the D and I was just riding around with him, giving him a bit of confidence and stuff like that. And, you know, we just used to talk um, because obviously I'm originally from Birmingham, from Sutton Coalfield, and obviously Mark's not a million miles away from there. And, and obviously we spoke different to the rest of the people from Bourne. So we just started talking and, you know, it became apparent there was a bit of a link. And then I say Mason, he's just he's just determined, man. He you know he's he's got so much power, which you know you look at him and there ain't a lot of him. Although he's getting strong, and you can tell when he kicks now because it certainly surges with the bike. But you know they they approached me and said, would I would I do pilot stuff for Mason? You know because realistically, it's the way that um, it's the way that he can race. It's the only way he can race. And I said, yeah, no problem. You know what I mean? I'll pilot for him. And uh, it kind of went on from there, you know what I mean? He's just, he's a pleasure to be around. He's super polite, digs when you want him to dig. He's just, he's a great kid. Yeah, as he's touched on, like, super determined. I've only met him a couple of times, but, like, I could, and I've never met him in a cycling situation. It's only been in a social situation. Mm. Um, but, yeah, you can tell the way he talks about his cycling, the way his dad talks about his cycling, like, he is so determined with it which is absolutely yeah. fantastic and how long have you been riding how long have you been his pilot then i think it was 18 months when we went to nationals in january um so yeah it's two years now coming up two years in two october years. lovely so one thing we took you did mention then was the only way he can race because obviously there's people here that don't know who mason is nah, yeah. um and then what's the reason that that's the only reason he can race? Right, okay. So Mason's got a visual impairment, and I'll be honest, and quite wrongly, I don't know how to pronounce it. So obviously, if you do a podcast okay. with Mark and Mason, they'll be able to tell you what it is. But he has a visual impairment that basically means his eyes don't stay still. They dance, and he can see shadows and stuff. He doesn't do well in different lights. So mm -hmm. 
you know, the, the part of the thing is when people say, oh, he's got a visual impairment and the fact he could ride it, he can ride a solo bike, but he can only ride a solo bike in big wide spaces with certain lights and things like that. And obviously for him to be in like a, a race situation on track would be quite dangerous for him and obviously for the people around him because obviously if he loses a wheel or something like that, it, it could all go horribly wrong quite quickly. So realistically, his, his route to racing would be through tandem and obviously through the para series yeah lovely so racing with mason what's the best or most memorable moment result that you've had nationals track nationals 100 percent um we did the track we we'd been riding for a year i think just about over a year and mark had said we're going to go and do the nationals and i was like right okay you know thinking yeah you know this is where you see the best of the best and no disrespect to him, but then there's me and Mason. And it was like, you know, I, if I'm going, I'm not going to lose because I never enter anything to lose. And Mark said, like, you know, we've got to go for the experience of it, which I get because obviously we can't overwhelm Mason. And and we went with no expectation. We just knew what times we'd done. I mean, when we did the kilo, so we did the flying 200 and we did the kilo. When we'd done the kilo, we'd only ever done one before. We'd done one at Derby like two weeks before and we hadn't even tried it. And uh, and literally we went there, we did the Flying 200 and then we found out it was match sprints. I'd never done a match sprint. I'd watched Harry Levason on telly and that's all. That's the only reference I've got and Jeffrey Hoogland and I'm like, oh, well, if they do that, we'll do this. And it, it kind of it worked. We went, Josh Dunham won one, we won one, which was amazing because we can say we actually beat the national champion at the Flying 200, mm-hmm. so that's great. Um, and then he spanked us in the third one, but we came away with a silver for that. And then we did the then we did the kilo, and it literally was we went into it just we knew what time roughly we could do. We said if we beat the time we did at Derby, we'd be happy. We annihilated the time we did at Derby, and we and we got a bronze. And it came out of left field, and I don't think I've ever been so proud of anybody in my life as I was for Mason because he gave everything. He ended up as I did on a heap on the floor. Um, and it, it was just brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. It was it was something, I actually touched on it last night with my wife, we were sat there, I was watching the um, crit championships on telly, watching them dishing out the national medals and my medals sit above the telly. And I just looked up at it, looked down and they're getting the same medals. And let's be honest, as a fat 50 year old, that gives you a bit of heart, you know what I mean? <laughs> Brilliant stuff. That's yeah, it's fantastic. Like you say, that determination that you had and, and that Mason has as well, um, to push yourselves to the absolute limit and then you came away with the medal there. It's absolutely brilliant, that is. So where do you feel your strengths are or what's your best or favourite or do you have a favourite event that you like to ride with Mason or race with Mason? Uh me my strengths are sprinting. Just sprinting, like you say, raw power. Um, just smashing out big watts in a short space of time, um, you know, which is good because quite funnily, I can actually do longer TTs quite well as well. You know, I'm quite happy sitting at 50 mile TTs and stuff like that, but I'm more explosive. And I think Mason is as well. You know, Mason likes the quick bursts and, you know, the kind of like smash it out real quick, get it done, go back in the D and have a sleep. Um, so, yeah, flying 200s, flying fives, you know, any anything where it's like massive kind of sprinting sessions. We're currently doing like the crit stuff, um, the circuit championship, and 
that isn't so explosive and I don't think Mason's enjoying that as much because obviously it's an hour of graft. But uh but yeah, no, I think we're I think we're more than happy going round in circles for about like, you know, eleven, twelve seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Raw power. That's what it's all about. Raw, raw power. Yeah. <laughs> so what's what's up next for you and Mason? What's next in the um, calendar? I believe the next round of the circuit championships is at the end of this month. So we've done two rounds of that already. Uh, we did the first round in Nottingham. We've done the second round in Bradford. And I think we're currently leading it. Not sure. Uh, because we went up against Chris McDonald. And Chris McDonald's obviously multinational champion. And he is a legend. And, uh, and he lapped us like three times. <laughs> so it wasn't a good day at the office. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think we're still leading that. So, yeah, to finish that um, and then obviously do the actual circuit national championship, the one-off day event is kind of like, you know, the next big thing. And then we go back indoors and start training again for nationals in January. Lovely. Great stuff. So do you have any big events planned this year? Um. <laughs> Only, only for me because realistically, you know, we'd spoken myself and Mark and, you know, Mason's mom, Katrina and that. We'd spoken about, you know, where the journey was going to go with Mason. And I want Mason to go all the way. And realistically, he ain't going to go all the way with me because as my fitness kind of deteriorates, his is still going to be on the up. Because let's be honest, there's a 35-year age gap um, because I'm 50 and obviously he's 15. So the fact that, you know, we've we've talked about younger pilots. They've tried different pilots and stuff like that. So at some point, we will part company. Um, and I thought it was going to be after Nationals this year. So to actually still be on the bike with him is amazing. And I can't thank Mark and obviously the rest of the family for that and Mason. Um, but yeah, next next for us, really, uh, you know, Mark's talking about me doing Nationals with him again next year. So if if i'm still in the seat then that'll be that'll be the next plan if not i'll be on the sidelines shouting at him mm. yeah you've got to be there to support at least oh 100 percent got to be there you know and yeah when even when the journey ends and i'm realistic about that uh for me with mason on the bike it won't it won't end you know what i mean because obviously i can always step him you know if the pilot's ill whatever i'll jump on the bike with him i'll train with him if the other pilot can't do it etc you know they don't get rid of me that easy. Yeah, good stuff. It's it sounds like you've built a great team, um, a great friendship as well. So yeah, it's um, absolutely brilliant. That it's brilliant. Yeah, no, the fact you know, the family are good. Mark's great. I speak to Mark on a regular basis. He's uh, he's very supportive of everything I do. Um, he lets me. I say he lets me. He's understanding on the fact that I need to go and race and do my own thing as well as obviously the stuff with Mason. But he, uh, you know, he also understands that, you know, I've committed 100% to Mason and, you know, I'll skip races for me to go and race with Mason, etc. Um, because that's what you should do if you want to, you know, if you want to support somebody that could go, you know, very, very good places in the tandem world. You know, you've got to, you've got to give up everything and, you know, and that's what I do. Yeah. And then as you, you touched on yourself, there's a, there's a, a big age gap Ooh. and then Mason's grown over those last couple of years that you've been with him um, physically. Like, yeah. I started <laughs> off, I used taller. to be able to look over his head and now he just like smacks yeah. me on the top of the head and calls me, you know, don't call me a dwarf, but he makes out like I'm a dwarf. <laughs> yeah, so 
you know, his physicality's changing. Like you say, he's getting stronger and fitter on the bike as mm-hmm. well, which is great. Um, and then obviously when he goes 16, does it change a little bit for him then with regards to the, ra- the kind of racing he can enter and stuff um, like that? Or No, not really, because, I mean, the thing is at the moment, we're going up against, and it sounds, it sounds wrong, obviously, being a grown man, but we're going up against grown men teams. So we're going up against guys that are like, you know, under 23s, over 23s. And technically, Mason's still a juvenile. You know, realistically, if he was on a solo, it'd be on restricted gearing and all that kind of stuff. But literally, you know, like I say, we went up against Chris McDonald at the weekend. And, like, you know, Chris is multi... I think he'd just flown back from Alabama from the World Championships. He's national champion. And, you know, he... To go up against him was a, was a privilege and an honour because he's good, you know. Um, the fact that when we went to nationals... Um, we got, you know, Mason knows Matt Rotherham and uh, Neil Fackey really well. And we've got Matt Rotherham talking to us, telling Mason loads of stuff. You know, the fact that you're getting that kind of world with people and you race against those kind of people is insane for me. But it's where Mason deserves to be because he's, he's good. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, like you say, he deserves to be there as well. So, yeah, it's... Um... He's come on a long way as well. Like I've supported him with the, the Velo Twenty One products um, for for a long time, um, which is a link through his dad mm-hmm. doing his mechanics and everything like that. Um, what other what other sponsors are involved with Mason? Um, with Mason, I believe it's Pit Viper, um, obviously Velozone, who we share, uh, RX Sport, uh, obviously yourself. Uh, I don't actually know if I'm honest. We we share a couple. Right. I think I think I think I've got more than him, but I don't know. I've seen okay. the, I have seen yeah. the back of a t-shirt once, but I tell you, he tends to look at my backside. I don't look at his because you get talked about if you yeah. look at a child's back. <laughs> you don't want to get in trouble for that. No. So um, obviously, we just touched on uh, Mark Mason's dad. Yeah. As well there. Um, does he does all all your bike maintenance? I'm assuming because he does all mine. No. <laughs> no oh, does he? Because, because obviously I live in Peterborough, so the fact that I'm the other end of the country to where Mark and Mason are. Um, no, there's a guy called Charlie Bratt at Paradigm Cycles in Fotheringay in Cambridgeshire. He does my bikes. And uh, oh, okay, yeah, I, I'll be honest. If I live close to Mark, yeah, I'd let him do it because I know he's good at what he does. I, obviously, I saw him doing your bike the other day when we had a chat yeah um but yeah no uh unfortunately he doesn't get my business charlie does oh okay yeah a bit too far isn't it that? it's yeah, a bit, a bit, of, a, it's far, a, bit, bit of a commute for him to do the maintenance yeah. on the bike and when charlie's just yeah. down the road yeah a little bit out the area but, just a uh, bit yeah hi, hi. yeah so do you get out much um solo riding then as in like do you just tend to hop on the road bike and get the training in, or is um, it mainly racing for you? No, I have a, I have a coach, um, Bennett Kinetic Velo, gets me out on the bike as many times a week as I can as I can be out. So it's like weekend riding. Today was like activation ride because I'm racing tomorrow. But uh, you know we do chain gang rides on a Thursday night. I'll be out Tuesdays if uh, you know if I'm not racing, I'll be out with him. And if I'm not racing over a weekend, it's like training days, Saturdays, calf rides on Sundays. Lovely. So, you know, what's the race? To, what's the race tomorrow then? Um, LRA or LRRA Championship race. So, so basically, the Lincolnshire Road Race and Association Championship race. Uh, so I think it's round four, three, round three of that. 
Okay, lovely. Feeling fit? Feeling yeah. confident? No. <laughs> I, never okay. go, I never go into them feeling fit. I always go into them thinking, oh, this will be rubbish. And then the demon comes out when you start pedalling and all of a sudden you cross the line and you're either happy or you're not. And if you're happy, you're overanalyzing it and you've done rubbish anyway. Um, and if you're if you're not happy, you overanalyze it and you've done rubbish anyway. So that's why we do TTs, yeah. right? You're never happy. That's it, that's it. Someone always said to me though, like, that once you pin a number on, it's always a bit different anyway. Ah, hell Depending yeah. on how you felt that day, you put the number on and then it's like go time. 100%. You know, it's, yeah. I'll sit, you know, for even from like motocross days and things like that, you sit on a start line and it's totally different. I never really used to go practicing uh, when I was racing motocross. I just used to race all the time. And it's the same with, you know, with racing time trials and stuff like that. And when you go and do efforts at Velodrome with Mace, you know, you'll do it and you'll put everything into it, but it's just not the same as when somebody says go. Because, like, you know, there's there's a term which you might want to bleep out, but the ball stops when the gate drops. And that's and it's true. When somebody says go, it's it's all you. Mm-hmm. So that's what you do, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Dig deep. Keep going to the end. <laughs> Pretty much. That's it. <laughs> Lovely. So some of the questions that we tend to ask all of our guests, or we do ask all the, the guests, is, which you did just mention, actually, are you a calf stop cyclist? Hell yeah. You've got to be a calf stop cyclist. Well, ah, actually, calf stop cyclist on a Friday and a Sunday, if I get to ride Fridays and Sundays, Saturdays we're not allowed to stop. What? Why not on a Saturday? Training. Oh, okay. Training, head down, backside up and smash. Right, Okay. Because uh, we used to, I used to do um, a little local loop with a, a group of our lads, and uh, on the Saturday that was like the calf stop day. Right. Um, we'd have a thirty mile loop that you could kind of do a few efforts in, and then stop at the end, towards the end, and then carry on. So that was always a, a Saturday one. But unfortunately, I've started working Saturdays again now, so yeah, I, there you go. I can't, I can't fit that in. I can't fit it in. So I'll have to, I'll have to do one tomorrow just to. Just to make up. Sunday Sunday um, should always be a calf a calf ride day. Sunday should always be a calf ride day. Yeah. So obviously you're stopping. Um what are you having? Oh it depends if the coach is listening to this or not. If the, coach, <laughs> if the coach is listening, you go espresso and maybe certain maybe a thing of granola. Um if he ain't right. listening, you have a cappuccino and a bacon sandwich. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But as a rule, I'll be honest. I don't. I, I don't really tend to eat on a calf stop. I'll just basically have a drink. I'll basically have a coffee, um, and mm. just listen to everybody else because there's a bit of a stigma attached. Obviously, being a bigger lad, you stop at a calf stop. They always think that the cake is going to be for the fat lad, and after time, I don't eat. I just carry on, and then obviously you go back out on the road and you prove a point, and they go, "Oh, so you're not powered by cake?" Oh. Mm. powered by grit and determination mate do you, do you feel like it it slows you down or makes you feel a bit sluggish if you've eaten yeah is yeah, that yeah. one of the reasons why you don't do it because it's I, I've done it before we used to do um, a, a Christmas breakfast ride mm. where like sort of between Christmas and New Year we'd have like it was usually traditionally Boxing Day and we'd go out to one of the calves and we'd have like a big full English oh. and it was just <laughs> My God, I've never felt so ill on the bike. And then ever since I've been, I've just had bacon sandwiches, really. That's the only yeah. thing I've kind of warmed well, to, really. Because the, the, the grease and the fat, it just seemed to sit. And obviously you, you sit for sort of 
30 to 45 minutes eating that and then you get going again and the legs just don't seem to want to turn then. yeah no we uh me and me and the coach went out on a monday i was off work and we went out on the monday just for an easy ride and he goes oh do you fancy breakfast and i was like yeah we can stop for breakfast and uh, and i was i was basically negotiating prices that i was going to pay him so i thought right i'll buy you breakfast and he went all in and I've never known him go all in on breakfast and I'm proper throwing him under the bus here. But we had we had most of the things you could fit on a cob. Um, and literally, I sat there, I was like, I can't ride home. And it's like, why? I'm just like, like you say, it sits like in your throat. And then you've got to try and spin legs. And it, I mean, it's only, it was only like 12 mile home. It wasn't far, but it was the it could have been like 112 miles. It felt so bad. And I didn't eat for the rest of the day just because I just felt mm. so full. So... Yeah, that taught me a lesson that if you're going to go calf stock, you either go the smallest piece of granola, look super healthy, or you just have a coffee and just chat with the lads and then smash on. Mm, yeah. But so, sometimes even just having that stop and the drink, oh, my legs just don't want to go. It's almost like if I've sat for more than about 15 minutes, I've gone into reset. It, my body's starting to think I've finished. Yeah, yeah. No, I can understand that. I think only when I swapped coaches and I started going with the guys with Kinetic that did it become apparent that it isn't all about just get out and smash the miles out because that's what I used to do beforehand and now it's like you know you'll ride to a calf stop somewhere whether it's you know 20 30 40 mile away you know that you'll do your thing like you say that first maybe five miles when you get back on the bike it's always done super slow you know the rides the rides when it's a calf ride they're super chilled everybody's chatting um you know it's not like through and off it's just nice and steady and then all of a sudden like the last five mile they'll go right go and then everybody just lights it up and you have a bit of a sprint to the end everybody jumps in their cars and stuff at the meet point and goes home so but yeah that first five mile i'd say afterwards are a, yeah a bit of a grind mm. Yeah, it can be tough sometimes, can't it? But I, I always enjoy that social aspect of it. Yeah. It always is nice to have that stop, isn't it? No, but, uh, definitely. Yeah. I say I went for I went for years, you know, riding on my own. Uh, was never one of these people that used to ride in headphones because I don't do that. Um, but literally, just used to ride on my own, solitude, smash miles out, do my drill, come home, report it, job done. That that was my cycling world for maybe four years. And then all of a sudden realising that you can actually ride with people and it still be fun and you can do your efforts and you can stop and have a coffee. Does uh, It does kind of open it up to you. It's not all about the numbers on the Garmin or whatever other computer you use. Definitely, yeah. It's um, about mixing it up sometimes, isn't it? So, yeah, it's good stuff, good stuff. So another one of the questions we ask all the guests is, if dream bike, money, no object. Ooh. See, I've got Are you two. Go motorbike? No, no, because everybody, like, obviously for my world, everybody goes, oh, what bike would you buy? Money, no object. And I just go, I normally go Pinarello. And they go, hey. Because obviously you like you lose a motorcyclist when you talk about cycling. Um, mm. But uh, for me, uh, Trek Madone SLR 7, you know, okay. nice. that's, that's kind of the dream bike because it's kind of built like me. It looks all squat and angry. Um, if not, Dogma F12. Oh, nice. Good choices. Yeah, but Good I could choices. never afford either yeah. of them, so I'll stick with my Scott foil. Yeah. And nice bikes. Yeah. The Scots are right, the Scots, to yeah. be fair. That's a nice bit of kit. 
Um, so if we could plop you anywhere in the world right now to ride your bike, where would you go? Uh, California. Okay. Uh, only because I was supposed to go for my 50th birthday and realised I couldn't afford it. Um, oh. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, if it was a, a case, because everybody would go like Mallorca or Portugal or, you know, somewhere with a hill. I hate hills because I'm a fat lad. I mean, we don't do hills. We do flat and power. So, yeah, I want to go to California where I can see Mickey Mouse and go and have a pedal, little pedal around a, around a, a slight gradient. Mm. Good stuff. Yeah, mixing it up a bit. We've had a few say, like, go to America and stuff now. Um, yeah, but a lot are still saying, like, Bjork or the Alps or yeah. somewhere like that as well. But like you say, if, you, if you're not into the hills, if you go somewhere in the places in the States that are incredibly flat, aren't they? Yeah, well, so, uh, yeah, the yeah. company I work for, um, actually, we're based in Bavaria. So every time I mm. go there, they go, do you want us to hire you a bike? And I'm like, nope. Uh, why not on a went because you come out of the valley and it's like you know 20 minutes down the road you're in austria mm. and you're like no because look at the hills it's like you know <laughs> it's bad to try and walk up on my road and pedal up them they're like oh it'd be good for you no do you want to borrow an e-bike no don't believe in engines <laughs> so uh so yeah no it's uh I, I say i just think i've got a couple of mates that have ridden in california and i say it's good fun so i think that mm. could be uh yeah if you get your magic wand out, Steve, you could drop me in California. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I can't do that. That's the thing. It's like if I could put yeah. you anywhere. Was... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. No, we'll go. Yeah. Hypothetically, if I could put you there, Obviously. I would. Yes. Thank um, you. So, yeah. Lovely. Cheers, mate. <laughs> so, I think we've come to the end of our little chat now. It's been a lot of fun. So, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. I say thanks for having me, and as you know. The biggest thing for me is, you know, it's about promoting, let's be honest, I'm a 50-year-old cyclist who happened to fall in the right place at the right time and meet a great young man called Mason. Um, mm. For me, you know, it's about that journey for him. And I'm I'm proud to say that I'm his pilot. And yeah. we did an interview for British Cycling after Nationals. And, you know, it was all it's all about Mason because that's what it's about. Because without Mason, you wouldn't be talking to me simple as yeah. that so you know anything i can do yeah. to promote him i'll do it to the best of my ability brilliant good stuff and it's the same like the same position for me like when mark approached me saying like my son does this and this and this does your company want to get involved mm. and i was like yeah definitely you know if it helps him out a little bit great you know that that's that's brilliant and then obviously over the over the years now it's it's been probably about four years i've been linked with him um my relationship with Mark's grown over that time as well. So yeah, it's um, and I've, it's been great seeing him grow and 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 come on and do everything that he's done. He's he's absolutely brilliant and like you say, promote him as much as we can. He's absolutely fantastic. So yeah, with uh, a lot of support, a lot of love for him, which is great. Yeah, no, definitely. And I say, you know, the people that were helping me that now help him, uh, you know, they're super happy as well. So you know, that's what it's all about, mm. right? Got to keep everybody happy. That's it. Lovely. Cheers, Loz. Thanks a lot. No worries. Well, that was brilliant talking to Loz there. Absolutely love that. What a nice guy he is as well. Especially something that he touched on was dropping everything and being there for Mason throughout his racing. He's a credit to him. That's absolutely fantastic. That's something that I spoke to his, Mason's dad about. And that, that's really important to him. That He, he knows that he, he's racing with someone that can keep him safe on the bike and will always 
always turn up and be there for him to race. So, once again, we thank Loz for his time um, for coming on the podcast today. That was brilliant chatting to him. We just want to touch on, obviously, we always mention about Instagram accounts, so you can search for Loz Staples if you'd like to give Loz a follow. We'd also touched on Mark Mason's Cycling Service. This is on Facebook, and that's MAB Cycle Service on Facebook if you search for them. So if you're in the Midlands area and you need to get your bike service, give Mark a shout. He's absolutely brilliant at it. And again, the main man that we've been speaking about, Mason. If you want to give Mason a follow, you can search for him on Instagram at Mason underscore Andrew underscore Bradley 777. Mason Andrew Bradley 777 give him a look he's well worth a follow he's a talented young man and he'd love your support so if you could head over to Instagram and as I say that's a Mason underscore Andrew underscore Bradley 777 give him a follow and show your support that would be brilliant once again I thank you for listening to this episode of the Velodrome podcast I've been Steve the Velo21 guy take care and I'll see you soon